Hey, and welcome to Here If You Need. I'm Jennifer, and I'll be joined by my BFF, Amy. And we're here if you need to talk through the stuff that, as women, we're told not to talk about. On today's episode, we're going to talk about abortion. Basically, everything we wish we knew when we had ours. And I guess that's why we're here if you need, because you can't find this shit on Google. (laughs) Hello. Hi. (laughs) Welcome to our first ever episode. How exciting. (laughs) This is super exciting. Finally, because like what we've tried to record this episode like twice before and it failed. So third time is a charm. (laughs) I reckon we got it this time. So if you're listening, you've got the best of the best, really. So (laughs) high expectations from here on out, I'd say. (laughs) Uh, well, I feel like I'm just going to get straight into this. Um, so yeah, when I, I guess when I told my mum um, that I was going to do this episode and I told her the subject matter, she replied, don't you think it will cause some issues for you? Like family judgment and disappointment. And to be honest, I felt really, I don't know. I was like, it's 2020. Like are we, I feel like we should be past all of this like judgment and disappointment and shame. Um, So in the spirit and energy of the Aquarius full moon that has just passed, Amy and I are going to be disruptors and start talking about all the things that we have previously been shamed into not talking about. And I honestly think that that's like the energy behind this podcast as well. Like I don't think every episode is going to be about something we're not told to talk about per se, but it's just that I feel like, we're often just told not to have opinions as women and just, you know, even, even minorities and and that sort of thing. So I think so often people don't speak up or have these really incredible opinions because we've just been told it's too much or too aggressive and we get labeled as outspoken. So we just kind of slink back into the shadows and keep to ourselves and keep these kind of really important conversations to ourselves which, you know, is what the patriarchal society we live in wants. But imagine how different the world would be if we did speak up and out about these things and we could collectively share information and, you know, help each other. I feel so philosophical right now. (laughs) (laughs) I love that. I think that's such a great way to start it because I would like to think of this podcast as like things you could ask your big sister, you know, if if there were things that you were confused about, whether it be sex, relationships, abortion, like we're going to try and cover as many topics as, as we possibly can. Some of them will be completely meaningless and just a good little chat for us to talk about, you know, but some of them will have a bit of weight behind them and it will be a little bit emotional, I guess, for some people listening as you draw on your own personal experiences and, and can relate to ours. But um, yeah, I think I'd like to think of it as something that you would ask your big sister for help or for guidance on. So I'm very proud to be, (laughs) to be part of this. I guess women, often keep their abortion secret because of what they think will happen to them if they don't. And that just comes from, you know, what we've been taught in society our whole lives. And I think women are shamed into not talking about just sexual and reproductive health in general. Like we don't talk about periods nearly as much as we should. Um, And, you know, I feel like we can talk about that in another episode because that's also really important because I feel like even as a 29-year-old woman, I still don't know enough about my my own period and I've been having it for like 15 plus years so I think that's why um 
I actually want to share my abortion story today. And, and I think Amy's the same because it's not, there's nothing wrong with having had an abortion. Um, and, you know, I did this uh, poll on my Instagram um, and I asked my followers whether or not they had had an abortion. And I like obviously said it's like a, a, a kind of touchy topic. And I don't know, some people are still not comfortable talking about it, but the kind of statistics that I thought were going to come back came back and it was like 80, 20, I think like 80% of people hadn't had an abortion, but 20, 20 odd percent had. And of the 80% of people that said that they had not had an abortion, nearly all of them messaged and was like, well, I, like I personally haven't, but I know someone that has. And I think the statistics anyway are something like one in four women have had an abortion. So I think the fact that there isn't enough like knowledge out there to help other women navigate through a really challenging period in their lives. Cause like, let's face it, you know, we're going to go into our stories and it definitely wasn't an easy period or decision to make, but I think if there's more information out there, you know, we, can all help each other to make the best choices for us. Yeah. And I guess uh, I love the fact that you've brought up the statistics because like you say, like, I think it's, it's either one in four or one in three. I could, I think it could actually be in between one and three and one in four. But um, if that's the case, then statistically, even if you haven't had an abortion or you don't have um, the body parts to have an abortion, then you know someone. Odds are you do know someone, whether you know it, whether they've told you or not, you do know someone that's had one. So I think it's good for everyone to have the very basic general knowledge of what goes into getting an abortion and um, what happens afterwards as well. Because, you know, someone, it, like I said, odds are someone that you love or someone that's part of your life has had one. So you should know what's going on. And I don't think that it's helpful to anyone to not have any information about it. So we would like to share our stories, um, which are very different. We both went through different procedures. So um, we can offer two different perspectives. And I show that I'm sure there's a lot of others as well. But um, but Jen, do you want to start with your story? Yeah, I will. So once upon a time in a galaxy far, far, <laughs> far, far away. Well, it was a far, far away galaxy, I guess. Well, not galaxy, but place. I was, I was in London. Um, <laughs> and <laughs> um, I went on a holiday um, with my girlfriends for like time away to, to let off some steam. And like all girls trips, you know, it gets, you have some fun and, and you meet some people and, you know, whatever. Um, and because there was alcohol involved, like I assumed I was safe, but I wasn't a hundred percent sure. So just as like a double, I guess, protection measure on my end, I went and, uh, got the morning after pill. So just for full transparency, when you say that you were safe, like you used a condom. To my knowledge. Yes. (laughs) To to your knowledge, (laughs) you used a condom. Um, and then you got the morning after pill just to be safe. Okay, yeah, cool. because it was a little fuzzy. It was New Year's Eve um, and yeah. I wasn't a hundred percent sure. And yeah, I feel like that's as, uh, that's as simple as putting it. I was drunk. Yeah, I was like, um, <laughs> I was having a good time. I was on holiday. Um, and anyway, so yeah, I went and got the morning after pill and, you know, I took it as, as I was directed and, and I, I didn't think anything of it. Then uh, a couple of months later, no, it wasn't even, it was a month later because I'd missed my period, but I didn't notice that I'd missed my period. I just thought that I was exhausted and I was having irregular periods anyway. 
Um, All of the fatigue was because of the fact that I was perpetually jet lagged because I, I guess like if anyone knows or has like followed me for a while, they know of my schedule um, pre pre COVID. And that was that I was on a plane, like nearly every week going to somewhere else in the world. And I was just always tired. So like, I never even thought I was pregnant because I just thought I was burnt out. So I just remember like, just to rule it out, I'd just come back from a work trip and, and I'd spent like the entire time throwing up, but like I was on the plane and I just couldn't stop vomiting. And it was a really horrible feeling. It was just, it, anyone that's experienced morning sickness, I feel like knows that it's not fun and it's not, it doesn't happen in the morning. It can happen at any time of day, but it was yeah, really unpleasant. And then I called my friend because I was like, you know what? I've got this pregnancy test in my, my drawer. I'm just going to do it just to rule it out because I doubt, like I'm like, I highly doubt that I'm pregnant because I haven't had sex in ages. And the last time I did, like I was really safe. Um, so I, I, I guess I took this test and uh, lo and behold, it indicated that I was indeed pregnant. And I, uh, like I freaked out a little bit. Well, I freaked out a lot, um, but I, I didn't believe it at first. I was like, there's no way, mm-hmm. like there are such things as false positives. Um, I'm just going to, like, I don't trust it. I'm going to do another one. So my friend came over, she brought like three more tests and, and I did all three and, and they were all positive. So I was like, okay, I think I'm pregnant now. Um, and <laughs> I, I like in that moment, I remember that moment. I didn't know whether to laugh, cry, freak out, throw up. Like I was just kind of like, oh my God, this is not what I want right now. I've kind of like, I've just moved to London. I have all of these like aspirations for my career. I'm not even in New York yet. Like I was just, I, I went from like zero to a hundred, which I do all the time, like very quickly. And, 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 and like my emotions were so out of control and I didn't know what to do. Um, and I was panicking as well because I had such a busy work schedule that I was like, when am I even going to fit in an abortion? Like, I can't tell my agency that I'm, I can't work because I'm pregnant. Like, or, or do I, like, I, I just didn't know what to tell anyone. And I remember trying to figure out like how to go about doing it because I, I was obviously like, um, in London, I didn't really have a very good knowledge of like the NHS. Um, but I, I don't even think I was registered at that point. So I think that kind of like prompted me to, to register. And, and I went and I called and I was like, Hey, you know, like I'm pregnant. I, I want to book in for an abortion. And then they ask, you know, are you in sound mind and body to make this decision? Um, which I was, and I, I obviously said yes. And I had booked in, I was waiting for a call back from the clinic and it just never came. And I think two weeks passed and I was like, okay, uh, I don't actually know like how pregnant I am. So I can't wait anymore. Um, and this is the thing that I felt was horrible because there are so many women that can't do what I did. And, and that was go private and just pay a private medical company to, to get an abortion. So I feel like that's a real failure on, on like public health that they just didn't get back to me in, in a decent enough time frame to, for, for my, I feel like comfortability in, in making that decision, because what 
in in my head, like what if I was further along than I had thought and I actually by law couldn't have terminated the pregnancy. Um, So, you know, that's I feel like a whole other um, kind of discussion that we could have. But I ended up going private and one of my friends came with me to the initial appointment and I had to have like the ultrasound and they told me how far along I was and I was given the, um, I I guess I was told my options of whether I wanted to do um, the surgical abortion, which is where you go in under um, general anesthesia and they use like a suction uh, mechanism and they they go into the cervix and, and suction it out. Or I could do I think it's the medical abortion and that's like a, a, a pill that you take and, and you have a medically induced uh, miscarriage. And because I <laughs> had work coming up, I was like, oh, I can't have it like bleed out of me. I don't have the time to like take off work. I'll just have it sucked out of me. And then having it, like booking in the time to have it done was also so stressful for me. And like, I've learned a lot over that period of time about boundaries and taking time off for myself and my health. But I was like, I I just felt like it wasn't anyone's business to know why I needed to take the time off. But if I didn't tell them why I needed the time off, I couldn't take the time off. Um, And so this is why I think it's really important that we kind of like destigmatize abortion. So maybe like you can say, Hey, I need to have a medical procedure or like I need to have an abortion and people are like, oh, yeah, cool, no worries. Like take the time off. Take the, you know, three, four days afterwards to to recover. Um, and and I think like I'll go into my yeah. after story in, in a sec. But I, I, I think like the actual procedure itself was really, really easy and the doctors and nurses were all so lovely. I went in at my allocated time, sat in the waiting room, um, then was called up, given a robe. And um, when it came to, you know, got changed, went into the operating room, was given anesthetic and woke up in a recovery room and I felt fine apart from the fact that I was like just really groggy. Afterwards in the like subsequent days later, I I did not feel fine Um, but I will let Amy tell you her story um, and then we can delve into like the after because I think think it's its own kind of story in itself. Yeah. And it's, it's too big to kind of get into um, separately. So I think it's good to do it together. Well, I had my abortion five years ago. So um, at the time I was still fairly new to Sydney. I'd moved down here from um, the Central Coast, which is about two hours north. So um, when I was feeling really sick in the mornings, I was like vomiting and I was really confused about why I was feeling so sick. And I thought maybe it was just a bug. Um, But when it got past a week of vomiting, I had been messaging a couple of my friends. Most of my close friends still lived um, up in kind of Newcastle area. So I was like, hey, I'm feeling really sick. I think I need to go to the doctors. Like I've obviously caught something, um, but it's been a week now. This is so weird. So I went to the doctors and I told her all of my symptoms and she was like, is there a chance you could be pregnant? And I was like, absolutely not. Like I'm on a contraception that prevents that specifically. She was like, but have you had unprotected sex? I was like, yes. At the time I had actually been sleeping um, in a really toxic way with my ex-boyfriend. And um, we didn't have a very good relationship. We didn't talk at all. Um, every now and then we would just, you know, every month or so we would meet up and have sex though after a few drinks. So it was a really toxic situation. Um, and we were both 
really mean to each other at the time. So I was like, there's no way we, we weren't using protection, um, which in hindsight was a bit silly, but you know, I thought that I was covered with my contraception, um, just for full transparency. I do the depot needle, which is the Depravera needle. I get it once every three months. Um, I don't recommend it because I have recommended it in the past. And some friends have had some really bad issues with depression and, um, and you know, other side effects as well. So, you know, I'm not a huge advocate for it. it. It works for me, which is great, but I've only ever had friends experience um, a lot of horrible side effects for it. So I wouldn't suggest it, you know, but it just, it seems to work for me, which is great. Anyway, um, I didn't use a condom because I was on the depot needle. So I was like, I definitely can't get pregnant. There's no way. Anyway, um, it, it turned out that I had missed a month on my depot needle, but I still thought, you know, there's a really, it's like a one in a million chance for you to conceive in that month gap. So your, your body is still adjusting to being off the contraception. So it's really, really rare to get pregnant. And she said, well, let's like, let's do a blood test. Let's go get an ultrasound and we'll see if you're pregnant. And she was like, and we'll get you to do like a urine sample as well. And we'll test that too. So I did that. She was like, I'm pretty sure you're pregnant, but let's go get the ultrasound. I was like, well, that's ridiculous. I'm obviously not pregnant. Like I was in a full state of shock and denial. And I was like, no, you're wrong, but that's okay. We'll just, we'll do the ultrasound. I'll humor you. <laughs> um, went and got the ultrasound and came straight back for the results. And she was like, yep, so you're definitely pregnant. And I was like, oh, I don't know. Might not be. You know, I'm I get a second opinion. I don't know about that. <laughs> I really just didn't believe that I was pregnant. And I was in such a state of shock that I was like, nah, I don't reckon. She was like, why don't you go home, um, process the information and come back tomorrow and we can talk about your options. And I was like, okay, we'll talk about my options. Like I'm pregnant. Okay. And I kind of, <laughs> well, it was really rude for her. Um, and I was just a bit dismissive and I was like, okay, we'll get a second opinion. And then I went home and I was like, um, okay, <laughs> maybe I am pregnant. And like, and she had told me that I was, um, I was just over six weeks pregnant and I worked it out and like, it did actually, um, the dates made sense for the last time I'd slept with my ex. So I was like, oh no, I think I might be pregnant. Um, and so I told like three friends, um, up in Newcastle, I didn't yeah, tell hard. anyone in Sydney that I was friends with, cause I was still kind of, like I said, still finding my feet in Sydney. It's really hard once you move here to find close friends. Um, and I wish that I had had close friends in Sydney when it happened because um, I was alone for the entire kind of period, which was really sad. Like my friends did offer to come down, which was so nice of them, but I still felt really like ashamed of what was happening. And it was obviously really embarrassing admitting to them that I was sleeping with my ex when they knew <laughs> our relationship and how bad, you know, it's just really, it's just embarrassing all around. Like I was really ashamed of my behavior. And anyway, it definitely started to sink in that I was pregnant. Um, so before, and before I went back to the doctors the next day, um, it was a doctor's that was part of a shopping center and I had to get socks. I remember I had to get socks from Target and it was really important at the time, which in hindsight is ridiculous. Um, but I was like, I'll pick up some socks before the doctors, you know, before I talk about my pregnancy, I'll go pick up some socks. And I went into Target and just instinctively, it was almost like I was wanted to, wanted to punish myself or something. Um, I went straight to like the, the children's clothes aisle and was looking at all the little outfits and just making myself miserable. And even that morning when I'd gotten dressed, I, um, I wore a blazer <laughs> to the doctor's 
because I was so stressed about her thinking that I was, um, it was just some real internalized misogyny shit. I really didn't want her to think that I was like other girls that had, you know, you know what I mean? I wanted to be taken seriously and that this was just a one-off and nothing like this had ever happened to me before. And I was responsible and I always tried to do the right thing and, and all that. So I was, um, I dressed a certain way and I went and looked at kids clothes and just really punished myself for something that it's something that just happened. It's not something I did on purpose and it's not something I should be punished for, but I just, I felt like I was just an absolute idiot. Like I had just like ruined my life in like, you know, and it was just such a stupid thing. Because I feel like that's what we're told. Exactly. It's like drilled into you, you know. Um, And like my cousin got pregnant when she was 15 and so it was kind of like in our family, you know, if, and and she continued to, I think she's got, she's got four kids now. Um, and she's, she's had a rough go, poor thing. Like she's just had a rough go of it. And I think in our family, like, it was just like, you don't get like, you know, my mum had me when she was 19 and I, I always knew that it was not something that I wanted. I wanted to live my life and then have children. So it was definitely drilled into my head from an early age, not to do what my cousin had did or not to do what my mum did. And it was just, you know, so I was really embarrassed about the whole thing. And I, I felt like I'd let myself down. So I went in and said to her, okay, I, I'm pretty sure I'm pregnant. She was like, yep, that's what I said. And I was like, cool. Just, yeah, <laughs> I, I can confirm it now. I'm pretty sure I'm pregnant. I agree with you. You were right. Do you, want, you know, do you want a prize? What do you want? Like it was, um, Anyway, we talked about my options and because I was so early, you can actually only get um, a medical procedure abortion, which is what you had, Jen, after nine weeks. So I was only six, just over six weeks pregnant. Um, so I could either wait a few more weeks and get the medical procedure or I could do the RU486 pill, which is ba- like which is just the abortion pill. So you take one pill with your doctor and then about 24, 36 hours later, you take the other pill and it basically stops the pregnancy, but it's, it's kind of like a forced miscarriage. So your body rejects the pregnancy because of the pill. And so I was like, well, obviously I'll do the pill. You know, I don't want to wait three weeks and be pregnant for three weeks like that, you know, and, and look in hindsight, I wish I hadn't taken the pill, but I also don't think I could have stayed pregnant any longer, you know? So it was just meant to be like that. Um, the way that she, <laughs> the way that she told me um, that it was going to happen at home. So you get, like I said, you take a pill with the doctor and then about 36 hours later, you take a pill at home. And she was like, it's just going to feel like a really bad period. Like you'll be okay. You know, just stay home that day. Anyway. So when I took the second pill within a few hours, I had the worst cramps I've ever had in my life. I was bleeding so much that like there was just blood everywhere, all over my bathroom, all over the tiles. It was the most dehumanizing thing I think I've ever been through. And the worst part is, is that they don't tell you that you're going to need pads. They don't tell you you're going to need, you know, Nurofen or anything like that. You don't get painkillers. Like it's just, you just have to go through it and it takes hours. And I mean, when you're bleeding for more than an hour normally, you would go to the hospital or something because you're losing so much blood. But in this situation, you're just told to kind of push through it. And it was just so much blood. You think because you're only, you know, six weeks on, I thought it was just going to be like you know a period like nothing too crazy well that's the thing I think when everyone like all of the the medical professionals they're like it's like a period they're lying (laughs) just like like they're lying it's like losing like it's it's like it's like ending a pregnancy just say what it is yeah you know and there was so much clotting as well that I was just I was so stressed and I was like my whole body was in shock like I was just completely terrified because it's just not what I expected at all. And I just wish that someone had been more transparent with me and what the experience was going to be like, because 
I just wasn't prepared. I really wasn't. And I think that we can talk about aftercare now because there's a huge like lack of responsibility when it comes to women's yeah. reproductive health. But in in this sense, it was just like I felt so abandoned by just like not by people in my life but by the system, you know. Like why hadn't my doctor called to check yeah. on me? Why hadn't she told me what to expect really? Why hadn't she told me that I would need pads? That I Because, you know, the last thing you want to do when you're bleeding everywhere is bloody duck down to coals and get a bunch of pads and tissues, you know. If I could like tell someone now what they would need, I'd be like make sure you've got a hot water bottle, make sure you've got like ice packs in the fridge ready to go, make sure you've got Nurofen, have someone there with you, have pads, have everything ready to go, have your helplines printed in front of you so that if you do need help you have that you have access to that and it's not something that you should have to think about in that moment oh crap I need this I need this like you should have it all already yeah yeah there's like a huge like lack of responsibility I have my I had four wisdom teeth taken out last week and I was given more care (laughs) and more help in the aftercare for that than I was when I had an abortion that to me is so um like just disgusting and I feel like that is a testament to the disrespect to like women's lives that the systems have like they've just never been for women so we're neglected in in multiple areas um I remember in my my experience like I think after I was taken into a room and like kind of asked if I was okay if I if I thought I would need access to like mental health care services which at the time you don't know but I was like no I'll be fine which was my kind of reaction to everything um at that kind of point in my life um And I think she did say like, you're going to need pads and just take it easy. And I was like, well, I have to go back to work. Um, So like, can I work if, you know, uh, like a couple of days from now? And she said, yeah, you should be fine. Like you'll probably have a little bit of blood. Um, But yeah, you can go back to work. I didn't tell her that I was actually flying to Mexico and shooting a, a swimwear television commercial, but And I feel like had I told her that she probably would have said like, don't go, but I also couldn't go because it was already confirmed. And anyone that knows like my industry knows that you can't just cancel like two days out from an international trip. Well, you probably can like, and that's the thing, I don't know, boundaries. Um, I wasn't like, I wasn't aware of what was going to happen. So I was like in this swimwear fitting thinking like I was fine. I had my pad on. I was like, yeah, whatever. It's like going to be a little bit of blood, probably more than I'm used to on like a heavy period, but you know, nothing that I'm not expecting because I had like I thought I had the majority of of the yeah the pregnancy sucked out of me uh and and I'm sure like it had been and I have no idea how much like you know I don't really want to be comparing blood (laughs) on the podcast but I feel like probably what you had was way more I think we should like way more than what I had that's what I would want to know if I was getting an abortion I'd be like crap how much do you bleed when I say that like it was uncontrollable. Like I was in the fetal position on my bathroom floor and the, the I had white tiles. You couldn't even see any white. You know what I mean? Like there was just blood everywhere. At first, obviously I was like aiming for the bathroom and going to like aiming for the toilet and trying to like, I was almost just going to sit in my bath and let water run over me and just let it all out. And I just couldn't even get up because the cramps were so bad that I just sat on the ground and there was just blood everywhere like it's horrific and yeah it's gross to talk about blood but it's important like yeah I think you probably because you passed the pregnancy 
um, completely. You definitely had more than me. Um, but I still, I like definitely, I had a lot. And I remember in, in my swimwear fitting, I had my pattern and suddenly I just felt, I felt something that like, you know, I feel like all women know when yeah. it's like the start of, of your period and you kind of have that first trickle and you're like, Oh, got to go to the bathroom. <laughs> and like, I was just like, this is not a regular trickle. I, there's something coming out that I don't know. I've never experienced before. I need to get the fuck out of this fitting, out of the swimwear now and go to a bathroom. And I went to the bathroom and I was in the bathroom and then subsequently like in my room uh, for the next five hours, um, curled up in the fetal position, going between bathroom to bed. And then for like two hours, I just sat on the toilet and let everything pass. And I was petrified because I was not expecting that much blood. And I was in Mexico and I didn't know whether or not I needed to go to a hospital. And I didn't want to tell anyone that I was working with because I didn't want to get judged. Like I remember telling them I had to leave the fitting because I was having like the worst period of my life. Um, And, you know, that was kind of acceptable, but that was as, as much as I wanted to kind of disclose. But it was, it was, a lot and to think that I don't know I just wish I had have known um more because I probably well I would have obviously not gone to Mexico um but I just wouldn't have kind of like operated like things were normal and I think I don't know if that's me and that I just like I used to kind of operate like everything was fine but I also just think that I was kind of told it was going to be okay, but it wasn't okay. And it was a lot worse than I thought it was going to be. Like it wasn't terrible, terrible, but I just wish I had have known in advance to yeah. adequately prepare myself for, of course. you know, what was going to happen. The other thing as well is that I think, you know, if I could do it differently now, I would definitely have someone be there with me and look in the future, I'd actually really love to work with a clinic and have, um, you know, like a doula type situation where you can volunteer for anyone that's coming alone that doesn't want to tell their partner or their family or their friends what they're going through because you shouldn't have to if you don't want to. That's the thing is if you want to keep it as something that only, I mean, obviously it's great if you feel like you can share with your friends and family, but I'm I'm not naive in thinking that there's some people in the position where it they just can't let their family or their friends or their partner know. So it would be great if there was a system um, where you could volunteer to meet someone, you know, meet meet a patient at like a cafe near the clinic, have a coffee with them or have like a tea with them, walk them to the appointment, sit there and wait for them and then get them home afterwards and make sure they've got everything that they need. I think that would be that would be amazing to have something like that. If I had something like that, that would have been incredible and an invaluable resource to me. So if I can, you know, I'd love in the future to work with a clinic and do something like that where you can volunteer and help people get to and from the clinic and it's also then they have someone they can trust that they that doesn't know the situation you know sometimes the best thing you can do it's why we get that's why we do therapy sometimes the best thing you can do is talk it out with someone that's not part of your life and even like you know if they have your phone number that they could text you and be like I'm really sad about this and you can just be there for them you know so just holding the space. Yeah, 100%. Yeah. Just like a sounding board. You don't even have to be qualified to give incredible advice or anything like that. Just someone that they can talk to, you know, without judgment, where you can just kind of more or less just agree even with everything they're saying. Just say, yes, I understand. Like, you know, I'm here if you need, you know, all that kind of stuff. So that's something I would love to do in the future. But 
Um, what I would love to talk about is whether you think the partner who was involved in the pregnancy should, you know, whether they should have any influence on your decision. Oh, that's a tough one. Cause in my, in my situation, I remember when I told my mom and I, I don't know why I told my mom, I, I think I was just, I wasn't thinking straight. Um, but I was, I was, when I told my mom, I, I have to give her credit because she did say that she doesn't believe in like what I was doing. Cause I was raised a very, like not very strict Catholic, but I was raised in the Catholic faith. I, I'm, and you know, abortion is a sin. Um, and so I guess I, I told my mom cause I wanted to, to tell someone cause I didn't know what to do, but she immediately kind of met me with that judgment that you were talking about earlier of like being irresponsible yeah. and, and all of that sort of thing. And like another thing that I, I guess I forgot to mention in my situation was when I took the morning after pill after my holiday, I actually ended up with um, E. coli. Mm. Uh, so I <laughs> I was on the pill and I then took the morning after pill just to be safe because, you know, you just don't know. Yeah. Um, and But because I had E. coli, none of the medicines took. But But I was met with that shame of like, well, you shouldn't have been drinking as much. Like you should have been more responsible. And like I think – in that situation when there is so much shame, not shame involved, but I don't know sometimes if he should tell your partner or if the partner should be there to make the decision with you. It, I think it just depends on your relationship. Obviously, if it's like, because I think if it's an abusive relationship or, um, you know, there's genuine like fear that how you're going to be perceived afterwards which like I know we're trying to shift the stigma but there's still that stigma and and people can can be put in very very dangerous situations um I think it is ultimately up to your discretion as to whether or not you want to tell your partner um but like you said I think that's why it's so important to have a service maybe for people to offer the support um in that situation if there isn't a partner present or if there isn't a friend present or if there isn't someone that the person having the abortion feels that they can confide in about their emotions, their, their fears, their, I guess, kind of worry as well, if they're doing the right thing. Like I know I had so much anxiety about whether or not I was making the right decision just because of like the way I was raised. And, and like, if I had have had someone there kind of just saying like, no matter what, like, you like you're doing what's best for you and I'm here to support you and like be there in any way that you need and I feel like that's where a partner would be that person usually and a good respectful partner would be that person and and I feel like would I would like to think that my partner in future if it was to ever happen to me again and I did want to terminate pregnancy that my partner would just be supportive and not try and change my mind and just be like, that's fine. I support you. It's your decision. It's your body. End of story. But I do know that like my, my ex, he definitely was of the opinion that it was as much his decision um, as mine. And, and I honestly, I don't know what to say in that situation. Like, I just don't, I think you, could probably better talk about that because you were in a relationship yeah I mean I wasn't in a relationship but it was it it was difficult because it was an ex and yeah it was 
I don't know. I think ultimately, and you've said this to me before, ultimately at the end of the day, it's it's your body and it's your choice. But I think if you're in a good relationship with someone, and this is just my personal opinion, you know, everyone's different. And if you want to tell your partner, amazing. If you want to make the decision together, great. If you don't want to, also great. I think it's like what you said. It's it's it depends on your relationship and everyone's relationship is different. But I think if I was, if I was in a long-term relationship with someone and I decided that I wasn't going to be having um, this baby and it wasn't the right time. And I knew that it wasn't going to be the right time for both of us. I think that I would probably discuss it with my partner, especially if, you know, if we're in a good place and, and we're both on the same page about, and I, I wouldn't, I probably wouldn't date someone that wasn't pro-choice anyway, but you know, it would just, if you're in a good spot, I, I think, I hated going through the whole thing alone is what I'm saying. And I did eventually tell my ex um, a few months, maybe like three months later, I told him um, and his reaction wasn't great. <laughs> At first he accused me. Um, he he was like, it must be someone else's. The dates don't match up. And I was like, oh, I wasn't sleeping with anybody else, but that's okay. Um, no problem. The dates definitely match up. He eventually like apologized for that, but it was, it wasn't a great conversation, but it was a, I am glad that I did tell him because I was feeling so much guilt over what I, what I had done as much as I know that it was the right decision. And I know that I didn't, you know, for lack of a better term, kill a child because that's not what an abortion is. I did kill the possibility And I think that's what hurt me the most. I'm a very maternal person, as are you. And I can't wait to have kids one day. Um, So it was a bit tragic for me, particularly because I was still very much in love with my ex at the time. And we had, you know, talked about stuff like that, you know. So it was was very tragic for me. And I just felt like there was a whole other life, life I could have had. So telling him as, and some people might see this as, you know, me being, a bit toxic, but telling him and making him feel what I felt, which was the guilt and the sadness of having an abortion, it kind of unloaded me a little bit. I got to offload some of my grief to him, um, which may not seem fair to some people, but to to me it was fair because there were two people um, involved and that resulted in something that I wasn't ready for and then that resulted in me doing something alone. So being able to offload some of that grief really helped me move on. And, you know, if I hadn't have been able to do that, I probably wouldn't be as comfortable as I am today talking about it. Talking about it openly has, has given me so many opportunities and helped me bond with so many people. When I first started speaking openly about having an abortion, like on my Instagram and my Facebook, I had so many people message me being like, I've also had an abortion and I'm too scared to tell anyone about it. And just being able to be a point of contact for people was enough. Even if I was like annoying people when I was rallying for like, for it to be decriminalized and safe access zones and talking about my experience, um, helping people at the clinic, it, it was worth being annoying for the handful of people that reached out to me, thanking me afterwards. And I think that's more important to me. So, and you know, I never would have volunteered at the clinic if I hadn't openly spoken about it. There's something about, you know, when it, you you know, I'm passionate about a lot of things as a you, but when you're directly affected by something, of course, you're going to be really passionate about it. So. And you talked a bit about, you know, once you started doing some work with the abortion clinics themselves and I think that's what a lot of people like don't really realize is that we might like better understand abortion and 
the like I guess like the right to having one if we talked about it more and being able to share that experience with other people you kind of realize how important it is to be able to have the opportunity and I think it's not just about like the choice it's about having access and um I think that's what is also really important in like the work that you do creating like the safe access zones but it's also you know, we can go one further and make sure that every person that needs an abortion has access to getting an abortion. Because, you know, in my case, the the public health system, I won't go as far as to say as they failed me, because I think I probably could have done more work in chasing it up. But if someone was in a, a dangerous situation, for example, and they couldn't afford to a travel to somewhere that they could have the procedure or B, afford the procedure and the subsequent travel and, and, and aftercare and that sort of thing, why should they not be able to access that service because of their financial position? And I think if we talk yeah. about abortion more, we kind of realise how necessary it is and, and part of reproductive health and reproductive justice um, and we can actually like integrate it into like public yeah. policy and that sort of thing, but, you know, I don't want to get but like, I don't want to talk policy and stuff today. <laughs> it's funny when I was volunteering at the clinic, we kind of, we were trying to kind of float an idea of having a fund that was available for people to donate to, which would, um, which we, you could release the funds to people that were low, like, you know, that, that didn't have access to money to get an abortion, but at the same time, maybe goes, maybe going one step further and having it as a bulk build serve a necessary yeah. service that's bulk build and free and accessible instead of having to send up set like set up all these bloody funds and get people to donate to it the government should make it a necessary healthcare kind of yeah you know a healthcare system that's bulk build so that people don't have to worry because why strain a family by having a child that you're not ready for why not just help that family in the first place by allowing them to make a decision yeah. that's not going to affect them financially you know, a lot of the time people have children because they can't afford an abortion, which is just so sad to me because like the cost of having a child is so high. And if you're not also not even financially, but the cost emotionally and physically um, is so high as well. So if you're yeah. not ready to have a child, you shouldn't have to have one and you can do everything right. Like you did, you can do everything right. You can use a condom, you can do have the morning after yeah. pill. And sometimes it just doesn't work. And you do need to have access to a procedure. Even if you don't do all the right things, we've all messed up in our life, why, you know, and why, why shouldn't yeah. you be able to access a medical procedure that you need to have? I love how passionate you are. That's Very why we're friends. Cause we're both like super <laughs> passionate about like all these different things. But I think I just wanted to, to kind of say, that's why like, we need to look at it as reproductive justice not just reproductive health um and that's like if you see it as reproductive justice you see it as a human right and that's when you can start making it um an essential service you know and it's you know the human right to maintain personal bodily autonomy to have children or not have children but then also to parent the children just I think just reproductive justice anyway it's not even about abortion it's just being able to like raise children in like safe and sustainable communities um and all of that comes under the umbrella of education and access and you know access to sexual health education access to birth control access to so much that 
I feel like we're we're not given access to. And this is why it pisses me off when you have celebrities, and you can't see me, but I'm air quoting. I mean, he is a celebrity, but God, he pisses me off. When you have someone like Kanye West publicly try and shame his wife for considering an abortion, which I think is the most horrifying thing that you could do to your partner when you're such a well-known figure in the entire world. Imagine the entire world having an opinion on you possibly having an abortion. I just cannot believe that he would do that to Kim. I rarely feel sorry for the Kardashians, but I do feel really bad for her in that situation because it just must, if it were me, if it were me, I'd be in the fetal position in the corner crying because North is like seven now. It's not going to be long before he understands what he's saying and he's going to have to deal with the consequences of that, you know, but also he core planned parenthood what did he call it like the devil so i've got i've got the quotes i did my research yes. as a good little you journalist do. that you i do. am um but so the quotes uh that he said he said like there is no plan b there is plan a um <laughs> and he also said that planned parenthoods have been placed inside cities by white supremacists to do the devil's work and that comes back to um the there's like a pro pro-life um argument that abortion is black genocide um which is completely false like it's been completely discredited and and the director of black leadership and engagement of Planned Parenthood actually released like a statement and said that any insinuation that abortion is black genocide is offensive and infantilizing Um, and I think that's yeah like those kinds of comments especially in America where the the kind of debate about abortion is so heated are so damaging. They're so yeah. damaging. Um, and well, people don't just go to Planned Parenthood or to clinics for abortions. That's such a misconception. You know, people go there for, like you said, they go there for, for sexual health and for you know, they go there to even just to talk about their options. So some people go there and decide to keep like to progress with the pregnancy. It's not just about abortion. I remember once I was escorting a couple past protesters for a clinic in Sydney and that like the protesters were yelling out, you're killing your baby. You're a murderer. You're a murderer. And then as we got inside the part, like the male, like the obviously the woman was just hysterical. She was so upset. And I was like, it's okay. Like, it's your decision, whatever you choose to do, it's your decision. Don't listen to them. Just ignore them. Cause you try and like yell over the protesters, but there's only so much you can do. There's so many of them. And the partner turned to me and he said, we've actually just had a miscarriage, but we have to come here to complete the procedure because mm-hmm. when you have a miscarriage, it doesn't just go away. You have to then go get kind of more or less an abortion to get the rest of the, the yeah, probably out. what I had to have it yeah. like, suctioned sucked out of you so imagine like that woman walking past after having a miscarriage and those people yelling out to her that she's a murderer I just it every time I think about it it makes me so emotional because it's just like that poor woman and these evil evil people that you know and Kanye West is perpetrating that like he's he's encouraging people to like go and protest at these places and you just never know someone's position you don't know what someone's been through and I would love love to know how many bloody abortions Kanye has paid for that have benefited him (laughs) how much has Planned Parenthood benefited him throughout his life and his career I would just I would pay good money to know honestly like you can I can guarantee you he's had multiple like he's paid for multiple abortions for sure 
There's no oh, doubt. Oh, totally. And even if he doesn't know about it, his managers and, and production team do. Yeah, like, 100%. 100%. Yeah. So it, it's like it, it, it all comes down to like it's evil until it benefits them, you know? <laughs> totally. And like I think that's the same with senators as well. Like um, there were cases last year um, when – the governments, certain state governments tried to pass like really, really archaic uh, abortion laws. Um, and it was then found out that these senators in in like their, I won't say youth, but in their younger years paid okay. for women to have abortions and that benefited them and uh, got them to positions where they could then make do. decisions about other women's bodies. And it's just like, of course, but also like that's fucked up and that shouldn't happen like ever. Um, and, and that's why we need not just like women making decisions about like our own sexual and reproductive health, but we need to have the conversations with, with men too, like any, like all genders so that we create inclusive language that enables like the right decisions to include everybody in these decisions and, and stop policing us yeah yeah it's absurd well I think that I think that's a really good place to leave it I mean I definitely want to I know that you've you've gone and done some research about some places that people can contact when you're doing your research online you need to be really careful um about the websites that you're looking at because and even the clinics that you go to because a lot of pro-life um companies and organizations they actually they, they they try to disguise themselves as pro-choice there's a clinic in surrey hills that is pro-life and they, they all of their marketing out the front makes it look like they're pro you know that they do abortions and things there but they actually just get you in the door and then try and change your mind into having your child so you do have to be really careful when you're doing your own research make sure that you're looking um you know at the looking into the about of the company because sometimes they really hide it you have to click through multiple pages to find out yeah so just be really careful look at the reviews online as well because that'll really help for you um but jen i know you've got a bunch of organizations that people can contact if they need any help with anything yeah so i guess uh i am going to do that lame thing that everyone does and say that if you liked our podcast and <laughs> that you can like and subscribe um but also we've started yeah. an instagram for the podcast um it is called here if you need podcast um and i'm going to make um some slides that have all of the the information about abortion yeah and yeah. and obviously if you've listened to this and you've seen the slides and you think there's some information that we've missed please please send us a dm or like you know yeah. either amy or my instagrams as well because i'd love to kind of keep the information current and you know like i said at the start like i want us to share this information together um so that we can help each other kind of navigate the world yeah well, I love that. And thanks for sharing your story, Jen. I know it's hard to talk about. I mean, yeah, it's, it is hard to talk about, but I think the more we talk about it, um, the, the less stigma there is, like you said, and the more you can help other people. So um, if you're ready to talk about your experience, you know, for, for me, it was really cathartic. And I know it was the same for Jen to share it, but don't do anything you're not ready to do. Um, you know, so just, just see how you go, take it easy. Um, also make sure that you're, you're getting some professional help as well. Yeah. That was really beneficial for me to see a therapist afterwards and talk it out. Um, I think if I hadn't, I'd be in a very different headspace. So professional help is really important. Once you go through something like that, it is pretty traumatic. So 
you know, make sure that you're getting yeah. the help that you need. Thanks for sharing, Amy. Um, on that note, I think I'm going to wrap it all up. We'll hopefully see you soon here if you need.